Good morning, church. Great to see some new faces here today. It's really exciting. Church Online, welcome as always. I can't tell you how excited I am to be with all of you today. Uh, we are starting a brand new series, a two-part, two-week message series called Man in the Mirror. And today what I want to do is I want to talk about the two greatest commandments. And I want to talk about the, the implications of those to the two most important relationships in your life. The two greatest commandments, you probably know one of them, right? If you have your Bibles with you today, would you please turn to the book of Matthew? We'll be in Matthew chapter 22 today. If not, we'll have this screen with the verses up there for you. We'll be reading verses 34 through 40 today. And, and as you're turning there, we're going to see that... Uh, we're going to see that Jesus is being confronted by these religious leaders called the, the Pharisees. And they're trying to trap him with their, their questions. And it's a heads up for you and me. It's not a great idea to try to trap the creator of a, the universe with any of our questions. Because he understands our thoughts and he understands our motives. Uh, you don't even need to talk to Jesus uh, to know what you're thinking for him to respond to you, but the questions always gave Jesus a great opportunity uh, to say what he wanted to say. This is uh, what happens in Matthew uh, chapter 22, starting in verse 34. It says, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, now that's one segment of the religious leaders, such as the high priest and, and the priest sect, uh, the Pharisees then got together. You'd think after Jesus had silenced one group, you know, they'd get the idea, maybe we shouldn't mess with this guy anymore. But, but no, they're thinking, we're, we're going we're gonna to trick this guy. We're really going to corner this guy, you know. And what were they trying to do? They were, they were trying to prove that Jesus was less than who he claimed to be. And so the Bible says they got together. And one of them, an expert of the law, tested Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now for us, we're thinking, you know, the Ten Commandments. Uh, but by the time Jesus had arrived on earth, there had been hundreds of other addendums to the original Ten Commandments. And there were, there were laws about laws and and basically laws on how you can follow the original law better. You know, you had to do it this way and say it that way and show up at the right time and, and to be in good standing with God. And, and so this lawyer thought, I can probably zero in on, on this guy's real motives here and if we can just ask him what is the greatest of all these commandments. And I love Jesus here because he didn't like turn to his you know, consultants. He didn't say, you know, can I, can I get some more time? He didn't say, can I get the phone call? You know, he responds immediately to this lawyer. And he replies, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Don't you love how all the hostility gets diffused in an instant by that statement? Oh, you're trying to pin me against the wall here. You know, you're trying to understand whether or not I am from God. Well, well, here's the answer to your question. If you want to know the, the greatest commandment, 
love God with your whole heart. Do you know why that answer is, is so cutting? It's because the answer immediately resonates, you know, with the, with the tone and tenor of what was woven into our, our hearts at the moment of creation. When God knit us together in our mother's womb, he, he knit us together to be in a relationship with himself. So inside, you know, every human being, there's a, a violin string set, if, if you will. You know, in the harmony of his bow and the, and the strings of our heart, something happens that, that doesn't happen anywhere else on planet Earth. And so when he said, here's the great commandment, love God with all your heart, immediately something inside of each one of us, inside of them was going, uh-oh. You know, they're probably thinking, I think... I know what this guy's talking about, and I don't even know what he's talking about yet. He said, love God with all your heart, with all your soul. So now he's, he's sort of assuming that there's more to us than just what meets the eye. There's, there's something else going on inside you and me. And he said, love God with all your mind. You know, just a small footnote here, you know, I just... I love that because people always tell me, you guys just believe in anything, you know? You guys really don't even think for yourselves anymore. You just believe in everything. Anything that, that they say, you just believe in. I'm like, no. You know, God is, is the God of all creation, you know? He's the, he's the scientist of all the scientists. He's the Einstein of Einsteins, you know? He's the most brilliant of all the brilliant people that were ever created, you know? Peter says to always be ready to make a defense, you know, for anyone that, that asks you to give an account for the, the hope that's in you, God doesn't want us just walking blindly. He gave us a brain. He, he wants us to use it. He said, love me with all your heart, love me with your soul, and love me with your mind. This is the great commandment. Then he takes a breath, and he says, this is the first and the greatest commandment, and the second is like it. So, So there's... Two answers coming to your one question. You know, doesn't God do that a lot of times to you? You know, I just need to know one thing. He says, no, you need to know eight things, you know. Here are the eight things you need to know, you know. He goes, well, I, just, I thought I just wanted to know the what, but he says, no, you need to know the why as well. And it's not the how you need to know. It's going to be the when, and you're looking at all the wrong things. And God knows what we need. And he knew that this wasn't just a one answer, you know, to their, to their question. It has two answers. And the first one was to love God with, with everything you got, heart, soul, and mind. Another gospel uh, writer adds strength. Everything that's in you, love God. And he said, oh, the, by the way, the, there's one more thing. If you, if you want to know the, the most important thing, it's just like the, the first thing. And what he's saying is that they're, they're equal to one another. And it's love. Do you remember this one? It's love your neighbor. That gets tough already. The first one felt great, right? The first one felt Great, now we're talking about the Robertsons, and nobody loves the Robertsons, you know. They had moved their broken-down car, their junk car out of the front yard, you know, maybe we'll think about it, but until that happens, forget it, you know. So 
love God. I got that. That, that feels good. I can, I can love God and love your neighbor. Notice that doesn't say like and not like and not tolerate, but love. Love. And, and who are your neighbors? Who are your neighbors? You know, yes, they, they can be the ones that are, are living next to you, but you can just translate that to the one that you disagree with. Translate that to the one you disagree with. See, much like today, your neighbor back then, you know, they were the ones that you'd pick the fight with for the, over the property line. No, my line's there. No, it's right there. It's near that tree. You know, back then it was, this is my goat. No, and the sheep had a little brown hair on the chest. No, it had it on the ear. I remember, you know, the, the brown one had it on the ear. That was yours. This one is mine. You know, it's the person that you disagree with. The one you're in a fight with right now. That one. That one. Yeah, that person. Well, I don't know if I can do that right now. Not my words here. These are Jesus' greatest commandments. And if we're followers of him, well, we might want to just reconsider that, right? Just, just saying. Just saying. Now look at the last part of this. This, this, this is interesting. Love your neighbor. Do you, do you remember how this goes? You know, love your neighbor as yourself. Hmm. As yourself. You ever wonder why Jesus uh, adds that part in there? He could have left that out. We get love your neighbor, right? I, I mean, we get that. But instead he places on us, in us, our identity. Do you see yourself the way then God sees you? And we're going to deal with that more in a minute here. We'll look at the next verse. It's, it's kind of Jesus' closing statement on this whole thing. He says, And all the law... So you just think about, you know, everything that's been added to those Ten Commandments, everything man has put into the equation, but all the laws, they just talk about God's laws, that's what he's referring to. And all the prophets, what does that mean? That, that's, you know, all these messages that have been foretold over the centuries and centuries about what God's plans are for Israel's life, that they've been coming year after year after year for them. All of the law and all of the prophets, everything that they taught, hang on these two commandments. In other words, everything God has ever thought about doing, is doing, is going to do, all hinges on these two things. That you and I understand the two great commandments in life, the two things that we must be about in life, but then we understand what's more important for the way we live it out today, that these two great uh, commandments inform our two greatest relationships. When you think about the man in the mirror, here I don't want to leave any of the ladies out, when you think about the woe man in the mirror, when you look at the man in the mirror, you know, how are you doing in relationships? Relationships, it's a, it's a hot topic uh, at church. Whenever we preach about marriage or, or dating, the, the church fills up. Our, our online views triple compared to any other messages that we teach on. You know, it triples because people want to work out relationships. 
you're talking about parenting, people show up. If you talk about resolving conflict, people show up. People show up because we are not doing as great of a job in our relationships as we want to be. And what I want to try to zero in on over the next couple weeks is that our ability to get the primary relationship right, which is our relationship with the creator, is the single most important factor in us getting our other relationships right and having meaningful and fulfilling relationships with other people in our lives. But guess what? Do you know what the second most important relationship in your life with, apart from your relationship with God? You might think, you know, it's my relationship with my wife, it's my relationship with my husband, it's, it's the relationship I need to have with my children. No, the most important relationship that we have Apart from our relationship with our creator, is a relationship that we have with ourselves. Think about this. You spend more time with you than any other human being alive. So how's that working for you? You listen to you more than you listen to any other human being alive. You talk to yourself the most. So whatever you believe about you is mostly what you told about you to believe about you. However good you think that you can be is mostly predicated on how good you told yourself that you could be. How worthy you feel of accepting God's grace is mostly predicated on how worthy you told yourself that you should be able to feel about that. And so obviously our relationship with God is primary. This is primary. But second to that, our most important relationship is the relationship that we have with ourselves. It's our identity in Christ Jesus. Okay? And we're going to hit on more of that, um, more so in part two next week. Today I want to focus in on the relationship that God desires to have with you and with me. And I want to do it from an angle that we don't normally um, come from. And I want to ask you this question today. Can God relate to you? Can God relate to you? I think sometimes we, we show up at church, we roll into a gathering like this. You know, a lot of us own a Bible. A lot of us believe in God. But when you get right down to it, you know, when Wednesday hits and, and Thursday hits and your life's all out of order and you're wondering, does, does God see what I'm dealing with down here this week? Does, does he see what's going on here? You know, can, can he really understand what I'm going through? You know, my, my stress, you know, my pain, my, my situation. Can, can he get into my shoes? Can he get into my skin? You know, does he understand my, my occupation and the, and the challenges that are in it? You know, Nick, I, I'm in business. It's a whole different world out there in the business world. You know, I got all sorts of stuff I got to deal with and different people. You know, I don't know if God really understands all the ins and outs of my life. Or, you know, I'm down here working in the soil. You know, I don't think anyone understands, you know, what it means to have dirt underneath your fingernails and, and mud on your boots every day. Or, or but I'm a stay-at-home mom. You know, Nick, I, I, don't, I don't think God ever thinks of, of all the things that I'm going through, it's nonstop. It's the kids and the laundry and the dishes. It's the kids and the laundry and the dishes. I don't know. You know, or maybe you're in the middle of the uh, collapse right now and just all these crazy problems just keep flying in everywhere you go. You know, it's flying off the handle. And I don't know if God really understands what it's like to, to have an alcoholic son 
you know, that, that's stumbling around the house or to, to be dealing with a husband that, that I know just had an affair. You know, I don't know if God can really, you know, relate to what I'm in right now. I don't know about that. And in a minute, I want to answer that question in three ways. But for right now, yes, God can relate to you and me. And you say, well, wait a minute, you know, how do you, how do you know that? You know, because uh, this text is written in red, okay? It's written in red, that's how I know. Yeah, you say, well, that's just for the, you know, Bible publishers to make it easier for you to find the words of Jesus, you know, in, in the Bibles at the printing press. No, this is signifying that these are the words of Jesus. These are the words of Jesus. So, the, these two commandments that inform these two relationships are, are not just somebody's opinion. Okay? It's not just, you know, some guy that showed up at church and decided to tell me how to have a better relationship. No. What we're talking about today is that guy that showed up on earth, and he wasn't just some guy. He's actually the, the maker of heaven and the maker of earth. The scriptures say in many places about Jesus, he's the one who created the stars and the galaxies and the, and the cosmos and everything that is. And yet, somehow, he squeezed divinity into a manger and, and willingly chose to take on flesh and blood so that forever he is the God-man. Forever he is equally God and equally man. And when Jesus is speaking these words, he's around 32, 33 years of age. So he's logged three decades on earth already. He's, he's logged three decades on the planet earth. So, so he knows what it means to be alone. He knows what it means to, to be tempted. The scripture said that he was tempted in every single way, just like you and me, yet without sin. He knows what it means to be frustrated. You know, he knows what it means to just lose it. Remember the time he's in the temple and, and, and they're making money off of all the sacrifices that people are bringing to God. He just loses and he starts flipping over the, the tables against the wall. You know, he, he knows what it is to be betrayed. He knows what it means and is to be hated. He knows what it is to be abused. He knows what it is to suffer alone. And Jesus didn't come for an hour or a day or a week. He came for 33 years and lived life on planet Earth. So that when he said to you and to me, I want you to make me priority number one, falling in love with me, you and me would get that right away. You'd get that. You understand me. You understand me. Most of you probably have never been down this road before. I saw this guy re recently, I, I know, back from high school, he's traveling. He lives out of state, and, and he's on this thing called Match.com. And I, I guess it's the modern-day uh, world thing on how you meet today. I, I don't know. But anyways, he, he's tried forever to find a wife, and he's just struck out. He can't find a wife. You know, and, and this is going on 20-some-odd years here. He's been looking to just settle down and have a wife. So he's a member on this website, and I guess you pay, you know, whatever a month to, to find a, a, a wife that matches up to the things you like. And he's explained it to me because I'm not looking for a wife right now. And, and so I don't know how it, I don't know how it works. <laughs> but he said usually every day he gets all these, these matching profiles, 
you know, and, and they send them to you. So you go through all these profiles. I'm like, how long does that take? You know, it's like all day, you know, in the city, there's mi millions of people. It's, it's on my computer at work. It's on my phone. I go home to my house. You got all these profiles that get sent into my folder. And he said immediately, obviously, I'm not looking at just, you know, what the person looks like because that's not important to me. I'm looking at her heart and, you know, I'm looking at her character. I'm like, yeah, right. You're like, no, 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 maybe. Maybe, no, 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 maybe, who's she? Oh, you know. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, he's looking for somebody who gets him. He's looking for somebody who gets him. See, that's what we all want. All of us want that significant relationship to be with somebody that gets us, that gets us. When you say something that you think is funny, you want them to think that it's funny. You know, when you make that thought-provoking comment that's earth-shattering and, and tweet-worthy, you want them to tweet it. You don't want them going, um, huh, what, you know, what'd you say? You know, <laughs> you want them to go, oh, wow, that was fantastic right there. You were intelligent and smart and <laughs> wow, you said that right there. You know, or if you like basketball, you want them to like basketball. You know, if you like reading history books, you want someone to at least pretend that they like listening to you talk about reading history books together. You know, you want somebody who gets you. And Jesus is saying to us, I just need you to know that I want you to love me with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I need you to know that I get you. I get you. I get you. Not only did I make you, so I, so I wove you together. You know, I know you more than you know you. But I have also lived life just like you're living life. And trust me, whatever you're going through, I've gone through. Whatever you're feeling, I'm feeling. I can relate to you. The second question is, how does God relate to you and me? How does he relate to us? And this is uh, mind-boggling to me, the way he relates to us. It's a couple of things. No, number one, he relentlessly pursues us. You're going to see this inside on your bulletin notes. He relentlessly pursues us, even though we often do not pursue him. Number two, he does not give us what we deserve. And number three, he never meets us halfway he meets us all the way all the way i mean you do good to meet somebody that'll meet you halfway you find someone that'll meet you halfway for for lunch you know that's a good lunch you know we'll find a place in between you and me and we'll go and we'll meet you know you won't have to come too far i won't have to come too far you know you get into a conflict and find someone that's willing to meet you halfway you're, you're happy god doesn't meet us halfway he meets us all the way, the whole way. He didn't come halfway from heaven and to earth and say, now, you know, I, I got from the throne of glory to here. Now, you get from Antrim up to the stratosphere here, and, and I'll meet you halfway. No, he came to Bethlehem. That's on earth. That's on earth. He came all the way. And so here's the thing about how he relates to us. He relentlessly pursues us. When we don't pursue him. He meets us far more than halfway. He comes all of the way. He'll come all the way to wherever you are. He found the prodigal son in a pig farmer's stall, you know, in, in the muck. 
That's where he met him. That's the place where the, the son came to his senses and he stood up and said, I'm going to turn my life around. I'm going to turn my life around. The father, you say, well, the father was God. Yeah, the father in the story, that's right. And, you know, he was on the porch, you know, and when he saw the son come over the hill, what did he do? He, he left the porch. You know, he, he ran down the lane into the village to meet his son. The other thing that God does when he meets us is he doesn't give us what we deserve. Psalm 103, what does that say? It says, he does not treat us as our sins deserve, but as a father has compassion on his children, so our father has compassion on those who fear him. And then the last question is, what difference does it make in our world? What difference does it make? So here's the thing, you know, when God sees you, a lot of us spend a lot of time, you know, looking in the mirror. Does anyone have a mirror on them, ladies? Men? That'd be weird. <laughs> I got a mirror here, yeah. This is, uh, this is what God looks at when he sees you and me in the mirror. When he sees us uh, in the mirror, he says, I want you to know a couple of things. You know, I want you to know that I love you. And I'm going to prove that to you, not just, I'm not just going to say it to you, okay, Amen. And I want you to know that I'm grateful. Sorry for my spelling here. You know, that I'm grateful for you. And I add this because I just think that it's important for us to know today that God doesn't just generically, you know, love this world or, or love us in this world. He's actually happy that you're alive today. He's happy that you exist. He loves you. He's happy for you. He's grateful for you. He's looking at you going, I'm, I'm so glad that you're here. I'm actually grateful for you. You know, I appreciate, you know, who you are. And I just want you to know that, you know. And don't you want someone just to appreciate who you are? God does. God appreciates who you are. And he's grateful. He's telling you, I appreciate you. He's saying to you, you are a rare and beautiful treasure rare and beautiful treasure hello you're rare because uh, there's nobody else like you there's nobody else like you and beautiful because you have you have God woven into you you have God woven into you and isn't that amazing you're a rare treasure He says to you when he sees you in the mirror, he says, you know, I want you to know that I forgive you. I forgive you. There's something called the cross. 
something in history called the cross, and because of it, you know, all your sins, past, present, and future, are washed. They're paid for. It's finished, done, you know, canceled. And I forgive you. I forgive you. And he says to us, I just need you to know that um, I'm going to hold you to a high standard. I'm going to hold you to a high standard, okay? With an appropriate amount of grace and mercy. Grace and mercy. Why? Because, you know, in that same passage in, in Psalm 103, verse 14... It says, God knows our frame. He understands that, that we are dust. He's not expecting you to be perfect, hello. He said, you know, even, even the youth will, will stumble and fall, right? You know, even the strongest, strongest of us will grow tired and will we'll grow weary. So we need to humble ourselves before him, repent of our sins, turn from, you know, our wicked ways, So he's going to hold us to a high standard. You know? He's not going to say, oh, don't worry about it. You're on your seventh marriage. You know, oh, that's fine. Go for 10. Go for double digits. That's, that's okay. You know, no. He's going to hold us to a, to a higher standard because you're his. You're his. Okay, you have the, the DNA of God. You have the, the spirit of God. You, you have the, the life of Christ. You have the body of of Christ, and he's going to hold you to a high standard. He's going to say you should become like Christ, you know. But if you stumble, I, I'm not going to throw you off the bus, all right? I'm going to, in appropriate ways, give you mercy and grace because you're made out of dust, and I understand that. He's going to say to you and me, I have a special calling for your life. Special calling. I have a special calling for your life. <clears throat> so, nobody's just going to a cubicle today. No one's just going to a pizza shop today. You know, no one's just a stay-at-home mom today. Everybody is going to a divine appointment today. Amen. And he's going to say to us as he sees us in the mirror, I just want you to know that I'm cheering for you. And I believe in you. I believe in you. Anybody wish somebody was cheering for you? God is saying, you know, I need you to know that when, when I see you in this mirror, this is what I see, you know. When heaven looks down, when heaven's looking down at you in this mirror and sees you, heaven says about you, you know, I love you. Heaven says we're, we're grateful you're alive, you know, so don't go doing anything stupid today, okay. We, we like you. Oh, nobody cares about me. Nobody loves me. You know, no one would even notice if I was gone. Wrong. Wrong. Heaven would care if you weren't here because heaven is grateful. 
Heaven is grateful that you're on the planet today. Heaven is saying you're a rare and beautiful creature and doesn't have anything to do with whether it's a, you know, a good hair day or bad hair day or whether you're sucking it in or tucking it in. None of that has anything to do with it. You know, you're a rare and beautiful creature. I forgive you. I forgive you. Heaven's telling you I forgive you. Number five, we're going to hold you to a high standard, though. A high standard. This isn't going to be some free-for-all here, okay? Oh, I'm saved. I can just do whatever, and the Lord's just going to forgive me. No, it's not that. But he trusts from heaven that we're always going to get an appropriate amount of grace and mercy for us. Number six, we've got a special calling for you today. And seven, as you go out the door today, heaven is cheering for you. Heaven is cheering for you. You say, well, what difference does that make in my relationships and, and with me? You know, in my relationships with everybody else. Well, it's important that you and I come to a, a real term on whether or not we believe all this or not. Because it's going to inform, hello, it's going to inform our second most important relationship, which is with ourselves. And it's going to domino into every relationship that we have. And you know what I found for me, and I found about me that I can easily say, oh man, I'm, I'm all over this. I'm all over this. I look in the mirror, I'm, I'm all about that. I believe in that. But you know, you know whether or not you believe in that not by your primary relationship with God, but you see it reflected in the relationships around you. You see it reflected in the relationships around you. So God is a shoveler. God is a shoveler. It says in Lamentations that his mercies are new every single day. Isn't that good news? So that every day... God's mercy for you and for me, God is a generous God. So, think about this. You know, every morning when you wake up, God is saying to you from heaven, you know, I just want you to know that I love you today. Just want you to know that. You know? You need some more? I've got some more. Oh, you need four more. I got four more. I've got that for you. You know? What do you need today? Oh, you need some mercy today. I got some mercy for you. Here's some mercy. Oh, you need compassion. No problem. I got some compassion for you today. Let me let me get you a little of that compassion there. You know? You need to know that you're forgiven today. That's all right. I've got you covered. I got you forgiven today. Here you go. Here's some forgiveness. I got some forgiveness right there for, for you. You know, and I'm going to just remind you today that the, the price that Christ paid for you, you know, you've been washed. You know, you are righteous. You know, you are completely brand new. You know, the old is gone. The new has come. You're a new creation. 
paid the debt, you know, the, pay, the debt's been canceled, okay, the price has been paid, you know, oh, you need some more? Okay, you need more today, six hours, you know, on the cross, you know, innocent for the guilty, you know, the righteous for the unrighteous, you know, the just for the unjust, you know, there you go, there you go, and he just pours on us love, kindness, you know, mercy, grace, compassion, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, cleansing, acceptance. He's a shoveler, our God. He's a shoveler, our God. And, and, and we come to church a lot of times, and, and, and we like that. We're, we're like, thank you, Lord. You know, your love never fails. It, it never gives up. It, it never runs out on me. And we, we sing that song with all of our hearts and and we say that's my truth, but but do you know how we know that that's true about you? You know, you know it's true about you in the way that you interact with the people that are around you. Because what I've discovered is is that we love to celebrate the shovel, but we're really better at dispensing the spoon. We're better at dispensing the spoon. Oh, you messed up. Again. You need some compassion, don't you? Here you go. Here you go. All right, well, I'm going to give you some compassion. There you go. And that's just because I'm a Jesus person right there. I just want you to know that. Oh, you need to be forgiven. Hmm. I'm going to have to pray about that. Talk to my small group, my accountability group, my prayer team. I'm going to have to fast for four years at night. And I'll get back to you. I'll get back to you on that. Oh, yes, forgiveness. Oh, oh, there you go. There you go. Isn't it amazing that we celebrate the shovel and we dispense with the spoon? And what that says is, is extremely important. Because what we, I, when I dispense with the spoon and not the shovel, it's not about you, it's about me. And what it says is, not that you're not worth more acceptance, what it says is, is that I haven't received enough acceptance to feel like I could shovel some out to you. And so what the spoon says is that I haven't really received the shovel. I haven't received the shovel of grace that God's pouring down on me. Because when I have received the shovel, then the shovel is what I use to dispense instead of the spoon. So our primary relationship is our relationship with God. And in that relationship with God, everything starts with God. Coming down from God to you and to me right there. It's a daily thing. I'm telling you, no one leaves the house without checking there. Right? 
You always stop there. No one's going to work without stopping here. Nobody's coming to church without stopping here. No one's going to that biz, big business meeting without stopping here. And when you stop here, you've got to understand that heaven is talking to me. Jesus is talking to me. Because of the cross, all this is true. All this is true. I'm loved. Heaven is grateful for me. I'm a rare and beautiful treasure. I'm completely forgiven. You know, I'm going to be held to a high standard by God and get grace and, and mercy. I've got a special calling that's in my life. You know, heaven is cheering for me today. And to the degree to which I believe that is to the degree, to the degree that's going to change my heart completely. And it's going to infect in the most amazing way every single relationship in my life. And so the beginning point for us next week, we're going to unpack this a little bit more, what it looks like to, to love ourselves. The beginning point today is just to believe that there is a God that can relate to you. There is a God who will meet you more than halfway. There is a God who's given you not what you deserve, but he's given you grace and mercy and forgiveness and, and kindness. He's done all that. Not just so, you know, your life can be changed, but the lives of all the people around you as well. If you haven't been born again, if you haven't accepted Christ this morning, um, I want to invite you forward this morning for our invitation as we stand and sing appropriately, O come to the altar. <laughs>